Welcome to Startup Saturdays, where we talk to entrepreneurs about their startup journey. Are you good at customer service and have an interest in marketing? Ben Knegnitzdorf explains how he helps people get started in the dropship business and how easy it is and low cost it is to get started. Talk Commerce is brought to you by Content Basis. Have you tried machine learning programs only to find they give you repetitive garbage or worse, information irrelevant to the context of what you asked for? Do you know if the content that you're using on your website is even performing? Content Basis exists to analyze, create, and measure the content that is crucial for your product or service. Content Basis analyzes your website analytics to learn what is performing well and what is not. We dig into your search history to discover what keywords people are using to find your product and services and what keywords people are using to find your competitors' products and services. We create a content plan to help you deliver content that wraps around your most vital products and services, and then we track the performance of this content reassess it and make it better. Go to contentbasis.io to learn more. The open beta program is available to new users. Go to contentbasis.io. Talk Commerce is sponsored by Haifa, or as the Europeans say, Hufa, or the right way to say it. Hufa is rapidly becoming the biggest Magento front end after Luma. For those who don't know it, Luma is the basic theme that comes with Magento and it is giantly slow. If you're looking for a template-based front-end with the fastest loading times in the e-commerce industry while saving costs on development time and hosting infrastructure, Hufa is your best option. Everybody loves a fast site, including Google. Improve your Google ranking and conversion rates and make your customers happy. Learn more at hyva.io. That's hyva.io. My name is Brent Peterson, and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. And now, Talk Commerce. Welcome to this episode of Talk Commerce. Today I have Ben Knegendorf. He's a co-founder of Dropship Breakthrough, but I'm going to let Ben introduce himself Tell us what your day-to-day -day role is and maybe one of your passions in life. Yeah, I'm the co-founder of, of dropshipbreakthrough.com, where we teach people just like you to start an e-commerce business in the next 30 days, usually for around $500 or less. That's a big, big, bold statement I hope to back up here, but to our passion, I saw the Minnesota on your wall. I am just over the border, and I'm an absolute Minnesota Twins junkie. Baseball runs through my veins for sure. Runs through my veins for sure. That's awesome. I just interviewed somebody who helped with he, she was a teacher in the 70s and she had a bunch of the early twins in her class and it was not early twins the twins kids in their class before yeah. baseball got big money and people stuck around so mm. tony oliva still lives in the twin cities anybody's baseball fans would know that name rod crew might be back i don't know anyways ben i know i warned you before we get started that I'm just going to tell you a joke and you're going to tell me if that joke should be free or if we should charge for it. So here we go. Losing my hair made me sad, so I bought a cheap wig. It was a small price to pay. I think 
you should not charge for that one. <laughs> okay, I agree. That was a stretchy. All right, I'll agree with you. Okay, can so I ben, throw one back at you then? Since we're yeah, go. Them. Let's do it. Tell me. How do mermaids wash their fins? How? Tide. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. I'll, I might reuse it. Actually, we'll publish that one. Good. All right. <laughs> nice. Yeah, free joke project. All right. All right. So today we're going to drop. We're going to talk about drop shipping. We in our green room. I mentioned that we're a Magento partner, and for 13 years now, and all of our clients have done drop shipping. But I think you have some ways to get people into the business. So tell us a little bit about your story and why you decided to do that or this. Yeah, I mean, it all started quite a few years back, right? I was working at a Walmart distribution center, and the holy grail there was first shift. Like, your whole goal was to just get the first shift. It took me seven years to get there in this building, and I got there, and I remember walking in, and just everyone looked dead inside. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm 29. I've, quote, unquote, made it at this job. Maybe I'll become a coach again because we're all a team. Give me a W. But there's this was it, and I was very disappointed with what I saw. I was disappointed in how everyone looked around me, and I knew there had to be a better way. And so that's when I started looking for a way to get out of there. And honestly, at the time I was working at a warehouse. My wife was a CNA. My dad worked at a warehouse and my mom was a CNA. And like that, that, that's all I knew. Right. And so I had lived up to the box that was built around me and it took a little effort to look around at other ideas and start experimenting. Some of those were like going to clearance aisles and flipping that stuff on eBay or Amazon, going to garage sales, things like that. Just trying to understand how to make money while you sleep, if you will, or make money on the side. Just, I didn't know anything other than go work at a warehouse. And my first foray into this was flipping things or finding the arbitrage between clearance aisles and Amazon or FBA or eBay. And then eventually I stumbled on the term dropshipping, which I'm sure many of the listeners have seen the latest guru talking about dropshipping. I immediately was turned off by the low ticket stuff, ship from China stuff that w really wasn't big back then. But I did hear about high ticket dropshipping, which is basically how Wayfair got started. They had hundreds of different stores that they were selling niche high ticket e-commerce dropshipping stores that they brought together into Wayfair. And when I understood that, I was like, oh, this is, you're building a real business here. You're becoming a retailer. You're selling brands people have heard of from companies within your country. And at that moment I realized, all right, this is what I want to do. This makes too much sense. Yeah. Do you think you had a little bit of that entrepreneurial spirit in you to drive you to do that? Or was it just, you're so sick of working at Walmart that you wanted to just get out of there? Yeah, I think in hindsight I did, but I didn't have anyone around me to spot that. So if I look back at my childhood, I didn't do, I didn't pay attention in class, but I knew all the answers. Math was a good one. Like they would, here's how you do complicated math. I'd have the answer in my head. And then they'd be like, you didn't do the work this way. And I, I don't understand why we need to do the work your way. I got the answer for you. And I was told I w wasn't quote unquote normal. And I got told a lot of things as a kid that I think were just signs of uh, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm constantly questioning things and I'm unsatiably curious around everything. And I think in school, they try to fit you into this little box. So in hindsight, I think I saw the signs, but I don't really think I noticed it until my mid twenties. I was a big UFC fan and Joe Rogan, when somebody would get knocked out, he'd be like, Oh, he got hit right on the button. So I started on the button fight gear. That was my first business I ever started. Don't ever, don't sell clothing. People, whoever's listening to this, don't start a clothing line. I didn't go super, super well, but that was, that, that was fun. Even though it sucked, it was fun. And then realizing it didn't work was a big L and that kind of pushed me back down for a little bit. But like, that was my first adventure in entrepreneurship and it was fun. Like being able to solve my own problems and choose my own path was fun. Yeah. And I think, so I just want to make a distinguish because my wife had a eBay business back in the 90s, early 2000s, and she actually had a warehouse. And I think what you're talking about is not having to manage a large warehouse full of stuff. She did Wayfair, like every, there's all those returns, right? There's such a huge market for that return business, and she would get truckloads of 
stuff from Wayfair and Finger Hut and hmm. put it onto eBay. You're, it sounds like, just explain a little bit more about your the model that you're proposing and how the differs from what I just described. I actually had a buddy who did the exact same thing you just described, but did it for Golf Galaxy. And so he would go get all the trade-ins and then he would pay pennies on the dollar and then he would flip them as well. So that's interesting. The model I'm speaking of, so I'm sitting down currently, but I'm sitting at an Apex standing desk. And so I was part of a company called standingdestination.com, which is a good example of what we teach. And we would sell these Apex desks and we would, I can work through this whole process, but essentially we'd work out an agreement with Apex to become a retailer for their brand. We would go run Google, we would go acquire the customer, sell the product, then go to Apex and say, we need you to drop ship this product to our customer. And then they would charge our credit card and we would keep the arbitrage in between. Basically high ticket drop shipping in a nutshell, it's a marketing, it's a customer acquisition and customer service business at the end of the day. Okay, yeah, so you're handling, so you're working in effect like a salesperson for that manufacturer and you're they're, you're arranging the sales and they're doing the drop shipping, correct? Yeah, but in the meantime, you're building a real business. So uh, I've referenced Wayfair, I'll reference another one that's uh, hopefully nationwide. I know it's local to us here. REI is a good example. They're very niche focused on outdoors people. And so that's what we're trying to build too. We're trying to build a focused retail store on the internet that is not only just being a salesman for the other brands, but being a destination for anyone who's interested in that type of product. So if you go to Standing Destination, there's articles on Standing Desk benefits. There's all sorts of content around the benefits of Standing Desk and around the brands and reviewing the brands. It's a destination on the internet for you to look at Standing Desk products versus just us being out there trying to be salesmen for the brand. And so you mentioned high ticket. How do you get started or why would you start on high ticket rather than just the commodity items or lower ticket items? Yeah, I think this is what turned me on most to this business model was simple math, right? I also have a, a brand myself of pet supplements. And so I understand like the low end market, but if I want to make, uh, let's just use a $30,000 in revenue next month and I'm selling a $30 product, I need to sell a thousand items versus if I'm selling a high ticket product that is $3,000, I need to sell 10. And you can imagine with 10 orders versus a thousand, you're going to need much less employees. You're going to have less damages and returns. You're going to have less overhead in general. The business model seemed to make a lot more sense for me. You could, we've, I have, and I have students who have grown a business as a solo operation to a seven figure business without needing the help of VAs or team members. And to me, that was intriguing, especially when I was first starting out and wondering, I, I didn't know what I was doing as far as hiring a team or, or really doing anything. And the idea that I could work by myself and not be overwhelmed with orders or inventory or things like that was very intriguing to me. How do you differentiate then like the pluses versus having your own warehouse, I guess, setting aside the fact that you don't have to own it all? <laughs> do you have to, do you have to take back returns or do the, re I'm assuming the returns go right back to the place they were shipped from? Yeah, so that can vary, right? That's going to depend on the relationship you have with each brand that you are associated with. Everyone kind of has their own rules. Some of them have wildly creative restocking fees. We'll just call it that. Others are like more generous than others. They're happy to take it back. Other brands, there's nothing you can do about it. Like it's going back to you and you're going to eat that cost. And certainly I would say the, that is one part of this business model that's a little bit out of your control. It's like having a 3PL, right? When you have a 3PL, you hope they do good by you. They charge you all sorts of fees. You don't really know what's going on with your product. You hope it's getting packaged well. And the only way you find out it wasn't packaged well is when the customer complains to you. And it is a, I don't want to call it a downside, but it's certainly something that isn't always fun when you're dealing with this because it's out of your hands. And what about price point to get started? What do you recommend a user has or a 
person that wants to get started in this sort of thing? What is the pricing? Mm. Again, I think that is one of the most appealing parts of this business model. Let's imagine you wanted to open a franchise. Taco Bell would fit right in in your area. That's going to cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars to get set up and running on Taco Bell. Or if you want to launch your own brand, likely it's going to cost you thousands of dollars as well to do the research, get the samples, place a big money order, launch, hope people enjoy your product. I prefer cash flow, and that's why it's starting this model for less than 500 which I'm happy to outline here. And also everything is cash flow in the beginning makes so much sense to me. So you're going to need a domain, right? That's $12. I like to use Namecheap. You can use whatever you want. You're going to need Shopify. I know you're a Magento guy, Brent, but I'm going to say Shopify is the way to go here for sure. $29 a month for that. You might want a paid theme. You might want to have something customized. You definitely don't need one, but if you do, it's 180 to, I think they're up to like $400 now. We give Superstore from out of the sandbox. We give that to every student of our course because we do believe a paid theme is important. You're going to need Google Workspace so that you have Brent at your new e-commerce domain.com, not Brent Brent's e-commerce store at Gmail. That's just not super professional. You're going to need an 800 phone number. So I would recommend Grasshopper. That's $40. You might need a little branding. So Fiverr is a pretty easy place to go get a logo done and get some homepage images and branding and things like that for your website. And then the biggest expense you're going to have is Google Ads. That's where we're going to acquire most of our customers. Google likes to give you a coupon, spend 150, get 150, or spend 500, get 500. Definitely look for the latter if you're going to start this model. And within that first thousand dollars of ad spend on Google, you should have acquired one customer or multiple customers where you can then roll that cash flow back in to get the snowball moving and acquire more customers. And outside of that, your biggest expense is time. Like you're going to have to put in the sweat equity. You're going to have to understand how to build your site, upload products, contact the brands. In the process, you're going to learn Google ads, a little SEO, a little conversion rate optimization, a little copywriting, a little how to code a little bit in the back end of Shopify. But hopefully you're doing all of this while making sales, while getting paid rather than paying a college $100,000 to go learn something and hope you get a job. There's a step before that, though. It's choosing what is the product that you want to sell. And there must be, I think, getting the website is a big investment. And certainly even doing the theming part is even is going to be more time consuming. Mm. How, how do you kind of choose which product you want to sell? So this is interesting. I think too often... The world of e-commerce is focused on the product. And the reality is you should be focused on the human behind the screen. So good thing. We always talk about like 2% is the average conversion rate. What about those other 98 people? Those were 98 people raising their hands saying, I'm interested in your product and you didn't serve them and you're just letting them leave your website. That's wild to me. So John and I, John's my co-founder here. We try to get you to focus on the human. Who is the human that you want to market to every day that you want to deal with in customer service? Ideally, it's you, right? If you have a passion, ideally, Whatever you're passionate about has products that are $800 and above, and you're going to be able to sell to that person better than anyone because it's you. So we like to focus on the who first and then find the products that they buy. And if you get the who wrong, it can be a nightmare. I bought one of my consulting clients' businesses, saw the opportunity, enjoyed the marketing, but the who behind it was an older less fortunate human being and they were awful to deal literally awful to deal with i got more chargebacks in the first three months of that business than i have anywhere else and i ate my own dog food there okay focus on the who rather than the products and the marketing who do i want to serve every day whereas I, the biggest company i was part of that we went 1 million to 11 million in two years that was serving the golf industry i'm a golfer i knew the pain the customer behind the screen had i knew how to speak to them. I knew the language they use. I knew the places they hung out online. I knew exactly how to write a headline that would hook them in because all they cared about was getting one more stroke. That was much, much easier than talking to a different who that I didn't have any relation with. And I'm just going to put a plug in here for big commerce. They have the exact same plans as Shopify. Nice. So I'll just do that because we're a big commerce partner as well. <laughs> 
And uh, there's no differentiator. In fact, your checkout, if you ever wanted to do, to customize your checkout, BigCommerce is open source where mm. Shopify is locked down. Anyway, so that's beside the point. So I think you've chosen something. You built out a store. Google Ads can be a money suck if you don't do it right. In your course, do you give some sort of help around that? Even if you're in $500 goes nowhere, especially like it's, if you're going to compete against, I would imagine that you're going to some sometimes compete against the actual manufacturers that you're drop shipping for at times in Google ads. Yeah, I think this is where we are different than anyone else who's teaching something similar or really anywhere you go for Google ads. Once Google bought the Chinese Go AI and brought it into their system and started doing smart everything. That's where everything fell apart in Google My Ads. Back in the day, you'd have to build everything and do everything yourself. And there was a very specific way that you should do this. We still teach that. So rather than doing performance max or smart shopping or whatever you're on currently, we do use like smart list. That makes sense. But most of the like Google do it for you is a very bad idea, especially for high ticket products. And I'll say that because again, I sell glucosamine for dogs. If somebody's searching glucosamine for dogs, they actually might buy this, right? That's generic, but also like they're willing to probably spend 30 bucks and see if their dog can stop limping. If somebody's searching infrared sauna, they are so far from buying, it's not even funny. And so if Google's going to buy all that traffic for you and show you tiny price clicks because they're serving you for infrared sauna, no one's going to buy from you, right? And you're just going to burn all your cash. So there's a way to set up a manual shopping campaign and choose your priority. And anyone listening to this might understand that. You can choose high, medium, or low priority. And if you set everything up as a high and seg segment the brands by ad groups, then duplicate that and set it up as medium. The only thing that can go to medium priority is when you put a negative keyword in high. So all your junk, everything will go to high, right? And then you can pull out your semi-important keywords and move them to medium. And then you can segment your most valuable keywords and segment them to low. So now all your junk's flowing into high where you're bidding 10 cents, 25 cents, something like that. Your branded terms, likely your middle of the funnel terms, you're paying a little bit more in medium. And then those exact match bottom of the funnel, people looking for this exact product terms, you can pay more for in low and you're not getting, you're not getting siphon, your cash isn't getting siphoned away, which is what Google's very good at that. If I'm honest with you, I'm not a huge fan of everything they're moving to do. I understand they're trying to hit the bell curve, right? That 80% of people just want this, but I'm not in that 80%. I'm, I'm at the other end of the bell curve. I want to be optimized. I want to be bringing the right traffic to my business, to the right pages. And so I, we definitely teach a method that I don't think is taught much anymore out in the universe. And you mentioned high ticket and no, so I'm assuming no high ticket items like high ticket clothing or shoes or something like that, right? Cowboy yeah, boots. Definitely wouldn't recommend apparel. That's a return nightmare. But I've sold everything from 3D printers to tiny house products to standing desk products to golf products. I've literally been all over the place and I've coached hundreds of students. And whatever the first thoughts come in your mind, if you're thinking about doing this, don't do those. Those are the ones everyone thinks of. Spend some time writing in a notebook, gathering some ideas. And once you like point your reticular activation system at looking for things above a thousand bucks, you'll start seeing them everywhere. And it, honestly, the, the list is endless. And there's just so many things that you can build a business around and the internet's made it even more possible to really niche down and still find all of that audience looking for what you're selling. How about doing FBA fulfilled by Amazon? Is that the same type of model that you're talking about? Yeah, with FBA, my pet supplements here on FBA, I wouldn't recommend selling someone else's products via FBA. If you have your own FBA brand, I'm sure they've been, you've had people reach out to you that said, we want to ride your listing just in case Amazon cancels you. I'm not a big fan of that. And I don't think selling high ticket products is a good idea. So again, I sell pet supplements on there every single day. I open my email and it says refund initiated for this, refund initiated for that. Amazon is in total control. 
Uh, and I can eat that on these twenty, thirty, forty dollar products. But if that's going to happen on eight hundred to ten thousand dollar products, the uh, I'm in for a world of hurt because Amazon's always going to side with the customer. Yeah. So you talked about you talked about Amazon and the price points. Is there a highest price point that you would recommend going? Like, it, you're not going to do a car, right? I think where you'll run into issues is actually with with Shopify itself, with the payment processor itself. Start wondering. Who are you making these big sales? I knew some people that were selling fifteen to twenty thousand dollar things, and quickly Shopify payments shut them down. They went around the backside, just went to Stripe, who Shopify's using, and Stripe had no issue. But that's where you're going to run into issues. Is is you know uh, that's a lot of money to be moving around without being questioned while you're moving that kind of money around. So I tend to stick in the two to eight range. I think that's the sweet spot. The lower you get, the more you're just eating your margins with shipping. So if you're selling an $800 product where you have 25% margins, rough math, that's 200 bucks. You have to acquire the customer. You have to pay the 3% credit card fees when you take the credit card and you have to pay for shipping. And oh, by the way, you're a business. You're trying to make profit on the back end. So really anything below 800 doesn't make a lot of sense. But if you're selling a $5,000 product, with 25% margins and it costs you $250 to ship. Now you have $1,000 in arbitrage there that you can go acquire the customer. That seems to make a little more sense the higher you get. Got it. You had mentioned AliExpress no nonsense. No AliExpress nonsense. Explain that. What does that mean? So that's been the hot thing for dropshipping over the last, I don't know, three to five years. And it is simply go find the hottest trending product. Go find it on AliExpress. Set up your store. It's a turn and burn website, right? You're going to drive traffic in hopes you can convert a ton of people on your website selling a, honestly, it's going to be a terrible product. It's going to ship from China, show up 40 days later in a heavily taped box, and you're going to have a bunch of disappointed customers who aren't going to reach you to tell you they're disappointed because you've already turned and burned that website. So if you're out there for a cash grab, maybe this makes sense, but I, I don't know. My ethics and my integrity aren't going to allow me to sell a terrible product with a terrible experience attached to that personally. So that would be a, an example of that would be KN95 masks when the when they got all sucked up in the pandemic and all of a sudden people got a hold of them. They're going to sell them on a quickly made up website. And then by the time they they land on your doorstep, you're, they may not, it may be post pandemic. The one I think of is uh, there was, I was flicking through TikTok and it's like a girl on a beach and then he zooms out and it's supposed to be this like monocle that can zoom of yards away. I can imagine who they're trying to target. I'm a dude. So I understand why they were targeting dudes with that. I actually bought that because I wanted to see the experience. So I bought it again, 40 days later, heavily tape box. The thing, you can't see anything out of it. It, do, it does not work. And so it, yeah, you're just setting yourself up for disappointment. Now, on the other hand, if you're using this to judge demand, uh, and go sell, I don't know, 50 of something and see if your audience is into that. And then you're going to turn it around and actually make the product better and serve it to your audience as part of your brand. Maybe that makes sense. But the folks who are out there teaching turn and burn websites and just destroying all customer trust, I, I can't get behind that. Tell us a little bit about your course. You've mentioned that a few times that you're teaching, you have a course on this. T tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So the beginning part of the course is, and we just did a podcast on this, so I might have the numbers actually. Yeah. So the beginning part is like 68 videos long, and that is simply how to get started, right? This is going to help you choose your market. This is going to help you identify the suppliers inside, upload products, build out your website, and actually have an over-the-shoulder look of John building all of this stuff in real time so that you can follow along. And then the backside of that is 
something we're continuing to grow. It has 150 plus videos currently. And that's everything John and I have learned over the last eight years of doing this personally. And both John and I have taken stores to eight figures. And so there's a lot of learnings in there that we wanted to put inside the course. And so that half of the course continues to grow as we continue to learn more, as we continue to network with other experts who we can bring in and create some videos for us. And yeah, it's an over the shoulder look like this model isn't that difficult to understand. To me, it's pretty simple. The work is hard. You have to do like hard work. That's business. But the model of it's pretty simple. So we give that all away on our podcast, Dropship Podcast. And if you want someone to hold your hand and walk you through it, that's what our course is for. What is your biggest win in terms of a product in a store? The biggest one, I have two months left on a non-disclosure agreement. So I will say it's in the golf industry. But we, yeah, I coached two gentlemen. They brought me on as a consultant. I coached them to a quarter million in the first three months. We remained friends for the rest of the year as they were in Wisconsin. We would just rib each other on Slack, basically. And then they asked me to come on board, and we went. They did one million in revenue in their first year. Two two years later, we did eleven million, and by far that was the biggest business I was part of, growth-wise and just big. And they bought me out about a week before the world shut down for COVID, and I can only imagine what they went on to do after that with everything shut down. Yeah, it was a good time. And what was the biggest loser? Yeah, that one. Like I said, it was serving an older demographic. It would be like mobility products the sales came in but again the chargebacks came in there's just that's not an audience of people i want without bashing that type of audience they're just they're very difficult to deal with from a customer service front a lot of hand holding a lot of walking them through the buttons to click on the website like there's just there's it's not a group of people i would like to serve personally whereas i would say middle-aged men who are trying or who are passionate about something is the ideal audience if that's who you want to serve and you have products that fit that is the ideal audience because men just lay in bed and will buy it on the phone. They won't think twice about it. Whereas women take a little longer in the buying cycle to make decisions. They also buy differently. They want to see things on sale where men, I don't think really care. They just, if they want something, they're going to buy it. And yeah, more on the who there. It's the definitely uh, middle-aged affluent men that are wonderful <laughs> to serve. You've mentioned the who quite a few times. Tell us how you as a business owner determine who is the best who for you trial and error i think but i'll go back to what i said like if it's you that's going to be the best like whatever you're passionate about if you can build a business around that you are going to wake up and want to work on that business more than i'm going to want to work on the business i'm not passionate about right so every day work needs to be done if you're not moving forward you're moving backward that statement is definitely true and so if you're passionate about it and you're consuming content late at night about it and then you wake up and you get to work on your business that is driving more content into the world or driving more people into the passion you're just going to work way harder than me and so that, that's what i recommend go find whatever you're into and build a business if you have a one kind of nugget of advice for somebody that's wanting to start on this besides taking your course what would you say to them yeah and just the kind of i don't think you need to take our course. if you want to great we'd love to have you but i think we have quite a few students in our facebook group who have only listened to our podcast and they've built a real business that's making decent money and that's amazing my goal is to help people change their life through e-commerce the same way e-commerce changed my life and so my advice would be just start you're going to learn so don't understand why people are afraid to get going if Brent, if you've never golfed in your entire life and you decided you're going to, you're going to go be a golfer, would you sit like months on end going, Oh, what if I suck at this? What if I fail at golfing? No, you just go out there and you'd shank the ball around and it wouldn't be fun, but you'd have a good time and you'd slowly get better. This is the same way you should treat business. So stop thinking you're a failure. If it doesn't work first off, the business can be a failure and the entrepreneur itself is not a failure. Right. And so go in there, set up a Shopify store, start screwing around, run some ads, maybe make some sales. And then you might understand, Oh, I, I kind of like serving this person versus this person. I kind of like selling these products versus these products. I kind of like working on big commerce over Shopify or whatever it is. Like you're going to learn a lot by doing. And if 
yeah, my only advice would be just start, just get moving and iterate from there. Yeah, and I just want to point out that my golf score and my bowling score are identical. You guys can take which one is good or bad. Yeah, from a learning standpoint, I know that doing it for me, there's all kinds of different ways of learning, but I'm a big, I'm a big advocate of learning and doing at the same time, and I think that, that you've hit it right on the nail, right on the head, where that type of learning helps you to really see how it's going to ha- what's going to happen in that how you're going to get it done and how it's going to come out in the end last question in terms of this was i know that we in the magento world we work a lot on say firearms and products that that aren't like google ads can't serve up is there any model where that would work cbd those type of products that say google won't work with or even sometimes paypal won't work with do you have any recommendations on those or just steer clear of them? Yeah, I think with what specifically I'm teaching, I would tell you to steer clear. Uh, on the other hand, the biggest revenue driver in any business is not going to be your ads. So what we teach, ads are definitely going to get you started. You have to go acquire that customer first off. But if you aren't like building SEO from day one, you're doing yourself a disservice. And so whether you're in CBD or firearms or wherever else, which God only knows if Google suppresses that stuff too, you have to get out there and create content. Now I'm a big fan of SEO. I think you should do it on your website in this like retail environment. When we when we become a retailer, high ticket drop shipper, you're a retailer of brands creating collections that rank for a brand name is quite easy. You have a cluster built for you. The brand is the collection page. The products are the cluster content around it. And so it's actually quite easy to do good SEO in an e-commerce store. Above and beyond that, you're going to want to also be someone who's putting out best articles because you're selling all the brands. So if you can put out the best standing desks of 2022, that's going to rank really well too. And then there's just loads of supporting content, right? Go to answerthepublic.com, put in your generic word, standing desk, and go look at all the questions everyone's asking. Now go answer those on your blog. Go build content around that. Once that ball is rolling, it really turns into something amazing over time. But again, maybe you're not a writer. Maybe you prefer like me to be behind a microphone or on camera, right? Gary Vee says this a lot. This is a world of content. And so whether you want to write or speak or be on camera, you're going to have to do one of those things to grow your business, in my opinion, or hire someone to do one of those things. And I don't think it matters what industry you're in. That's going to be the biggest driver of traffic in your business versus ads. And so you should get started immediately. Yeah. And I'll just, I'll Second that, that at Magento started a content around Magento at the time, but Adobe Commerce now, five years ago. And it within the first year, it took about a year to, for our SEO to start catching up. And it is a very competitive space, And but that does work. And I know in WordPress, they call it cornerstone content. In HubSpot, they call it pillar content. But I think what mm-hmm. you're saying is that you have your product, then you start writing about that product and pointing all that content to that product. Uh, and I contest that, yes, that, that SEO works. And we, one of our longtime clients uh, was a gun seller down in South Carolina. The, the, if you were in that space, you're all, nobody else can be using Google Ads. And so you are in, if you can do better at writing those articles, you are going to win at writing that. So that's I, great advice. I just pulled up a really good example of it, if you don't mind me sharing. So yeah, go for one it. business I was part of that we worked on this. The first year, the site got 7% of its traffic, 7,000 users via SEO for $0 revenue. In year number two, 27% of the users, 76,000 people came for $854,000 in revenue. Year three, as we continue to compound here, 
43% of the users now came from SEO, which was almost a quarter million people that resulted in $2.27 million in revenue. And so it just continues to grow and grow as you put the time in and do things right. Don't do things crappy. Don't go buy bad links. Put out really good content and play the long game here. And I promise you it'll pay dividends. Yeah, and I think you. I think earlier you also mentioned just testing it, making sure that your con, what, whatever you have on that page, your product display page, maybe doing some eBay, A/B testing on that, and even in Google you can do A/B testing on those things. There's so many things that you, as a user, that as you dig in, and especially if it turns into your full-time job, like you said, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. That's a good good advice there, Ben. As we close out the podcast, I give everybody a chance to do a shameless plug. What would you like to plug today? Yeah, I think if you're listening to this, you're a podcast junkie, as am I. So just go check out our podcast. Like I, I think you'll enjoy the banter between myself and my Australian partner, John. I like to make fun of the words he says. He likes to make fun of the big orange guy in this country. And maybe you'll enjoy that. But we literally give away the entire business model. If you started episode one, it's what is dropshipping? What is high ticket dropshipping? High ticket versus low ticket. If you started episode one, you're going to learn this entire business model from us. And then if you decide to uh, work with us further, obviously the information's in there. But I would just say start with the podcast. It's called Dropship Podcast, and you can find it on any of your favorite players. Great. And I will put all those links in the show notes today. Ben, thanks for being here. It's been a great conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for making it to the end of this episode of Talk Commerce. Please rate this episode wherever you download your podcasts. We are actively looking for people to participate in the free joke project. Go to talk-commerce.com and sign up for your free spot on the free joke project. If you are a business... I will do a 30-second elevator pitch in the spot to help promote your business. That's talk-commerce.com.